Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you today by me. Your host, Patrick Lyons of the DNVR Rockies podcast. This is another holiday week, much like it was during Thanksgiving and will be for New Year's. And although we only need to provide you with four a week, according to the contracts that we've signed with all of our sponsors, a little behind the scenes for you, I know how much I like some of my favorite podcasts and how great it is just to every day know when it's supposed to be downloaded, when it's supposed to come out. It's there for you. And frankly, I feel like there's plenty to talk about in the Rockies world, in the baseball world. And I love doing this. And I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I am. So this is just going to be a free one with no advertisements. I'm going to try to pack it full with as much Rockies content as possible. Please let me know how much you're enjoying this, especially if you want to email me, Patrick, at the dnbr.com or on Twitter at Patrick D. Lyons. You can also leave comments if you are a member to any of our articles. Leave a comment, question, whatever it is. I love getting feedback from you guys and hearing from all of our members and even from those of you that just enjoy the podcast for free. On today's show, I'm going to go through Baseball America's top 10 prospect rankings that were just released. We'll look at some more minor league signings that the Rockies could make going forward that would benefit their roster as much as the ones they've already made. But I do want to start with condolences for the entire Kamara Barty family, including his friends. He passed away on Tuesday at the age of 49. Big leaguer who played in parts of four seasons with the Tigers, the Reds, and the Colorado Rockies. He was a coach with Pittsburgh. I did see Andrew McCutcheon reaching out and and leaving a comment on Twitter. He was also a coach with Philadelphia. And actually, most recently, he was with Detroit uh, as a first base coach in 2021. I wasn't sure how to actually address this. Kamara's a great guy from everything that We've been hearing coming out in the last day or two about the kind of person he was and the positive spirit. And I wasn't really sure how to address this next segment, but I thought it was important for people to know. And I thought if I do it properly, then it it won't come off in any kind of negative capacity. So here I go in, in pointing out the other 10 Rockies players in their franchise history since 1993 who have passed away. If we're going to talk about sudden and unexpected deaths, of course, you do have to mention team president Kelly McGregor, who did pass away in 2010. That's why when you go to Coors Field, even still to this day in right center field, alongside Jackie Robinson's number 42, Todd Helton's number 17, and now number 33 for Larry Walker with the gold Hall of Fame ring. You do see the initials of KSM for Kelly Scott McGregor next door 
to Coors Field. If any of you aren't from this area and are just a Rockies fan abroad, we do have fans in all kinds of interesting places and in different countries around the world. There is actually a large building right next to Coors Field. It's actually comprised of three individual buildings, and it was only recently named in honor. It was only recently opened, too, for Kelly McGregor. It's named McGregor Square. Now, while the oldest Colorado Rocky is Bryn Smith, who's 66 years old, which as I get older, that feels less and less and sounds less and less old because, yeah, I'm several decades away from that age. But now I see people that are 66 and I think, man, you've got at least 20 more years left on this earth. And so he's the oldest, was a part of the original 1993 Colorado Rockies, that inaugural club that, of course, played ball at Mile High Stadium, originally a baseball stadium. It was Bears Stadium before it was converted into a multi-team facility for both the Denver Bears and the Denver Broncos. But the first passing that has to be addressed chronologically is one of the more shocking ones. In 2002, right-handed pitcher Daryl Kyle a player who was with the Rockies in 1998 and 99, was a three-time All-Star, passed away at the age of only 33 years old. He had 90% blockage in two coronary arteries and was the first active player to pass away during the season since Thurman Munson, New York Yankees catching great, a guy who's in the Hall of Very Good and may someday end up in the Hall of Fame, but he had passed away in 1979 in the middle of the season in a plane crash. And if you ever see footage of Bobby Mercer and his teammates who went out and decided, no, we're going to play in his honor. And they had to go out knowing that, you know, their captain, their leader, the heart and soul of their team was unexpectedly taken from them. In 2005, left fielder Mario Encarnacion passed away at age 30. He played 20 games with the Rockies in 2001. He was actually playing in Taiwan in the Chinese Professional Baseball League. And hats off to Miguel Tejada, who actually paid to have him brought back to his native Dominican Republic. A name that should be spoken a lot more in Rocky circles is left-handed starting pitcher Joe Kennedy, who passed away at the age of 28 in 2007. Kennedy was only with the Rockies for about a season and a half from 2004 and 2005. But in that 04 season, he had a 3.66 earned run average in 27 starts. We know how impressive that is. Now, Fangraphs only considers that to be worth 2.8 wins above replacement, according to their algorithm. According to baseball reference, they've got Joe Kennedy's season in 2004 as 5.6 wins above replacement. One of the greatest performances in a single season in franchise history. And Joe Kennedy is someone that should be discussed a lot more. In 2003, Frank Castillo passed away at the age of 44, started 14 games in 1997 with the Rockies, was a 13-year veteran. In 2005, there were unfortunately two passings. Right-handed reliever Jose Capillan passed away at age 34, only played one game with the Rockies in 2008, but more notably, outfielder Daryl Hamilton, who passed away at age 50. He played with Colorado in 98 and 99 and was a career 291 hitter. 
very, very skilled batsman, Daryl Hamilton. In 2007, right-handed pitcher Mark Bronson, who had played nine games with the Rockies in 98 and 99, passed away, unfortunately, at the age of 41. 2018, Marcos Carvajal, age 33, he pitched in 39 games in 2005. In 2019, catcher Walt McKeel did not play very much with the Rockies. In fact, a majority of his big league career did come with Colorado in 2002, but a majority of it came in the minor leagues for the Boston Red Sox. In fact, I actually had the honor of watching him when I was a young kid in the mid-90s playing for the Trenton Thunder in New Jersey, where I'm from, if you didn't know. At the time, Trenton was Boston's double-A club for quite some time. It was a place where Tony Clark, the head of the Players Association, came through, as well as Nomar Garcia Parra. They were two of the biggest names. I think their numbers were even retired, unfortunately. Trenton Thunder was not renewed as part of minor league baseball's restructuring, and so they were left on the outside of those 120 teams. And finally, in 2020, previously before... Camara Bartiz passing, was outfielder Angel Echeverria, a name that several of you I think will know somewhat well. He didn't play a lot with Colorado, but did play in parts of five seasons, so you heard his name quite frequently between 1996 to 2000. So obviously a difficult, challenging subject to discuss, but it is one where, again, these players, some of them have forgotten, some a little bit less so, but it should be acknowledged that they had their hands in part of building up the Rockies organization to what it is today or to keep it moving and keep it flowing and going forward as it has been since 1993. Moving over to Baseball America's top 10 prospect rankings for the Colorado Rockies. The list is as such from 10 to 1. Shortstop second baseman Adael Amador. In ninth, shortstop Ezekiel Tovar, which we've heard a lot about with my Arizona Fall League coverage here on DNVR Rockies. Number eight, third baseman Elahiris Montero. Seventh, outfielder Brenton Doyle. Sixth, outfielder Ryan Valade. Fifth, outfielder Benny Montgomery. Fourth, left-handed starting pitcher Ryan Rollison. Third, catcher Drew Romo. Second, first baseman Michael Tolia. And first, Zach Veen, the outfielder. Three players I do want to profile for this and get into a little bit more is number 10 on the list, a guy that you probably haven't heard too much about, and that's mainly because he hasn't played in any games before the 2021 season. Now, Adael Amador is an 18-year-old kid. Sure, he's legally speaking in our country, an adult, but he's 18 years old. He's a kid. He was signed as a kid. He was signed at 16 years old back on July 2nd. 2019 for $1.5 million, certainly on the higher end for what Colorado typically will pay for some of their top international prospects. He's a switch hitting shortstop for the Dominican Republic. So right off the bat, you know, it's quite a rarity to have a switch hitter in the organization. There, there aren't very many. In fact, it's probably hard to even go back to think about any successful switch hitters that the Rockies have had in the majors. Right now, Michael Tolia, number two on this list, is another one of those switch hitters, as well as the third top prospect, according to Baseball America, in the Rocky system. Catcher Drew Romo remains to be seen if Romo will 
be able to stay on both sides of the plate and if I'll end up just transitioning over to the left side. As I said, Amador played professional baseball for the first time in 2021, and he did it stateside, played in part of the Arizona Complex League. The one interesting wrinkle with minor league baseball's recent restructuring is that we went from 160 teams to 120 teams, which effectively dropped off one to two of the lower level clubs. But you still have the Dominican Summer League going on each and every year. So there are those prospects that are getting a little bit more notoriety now because there's no Boise Hawks and no Grand Junction Rockies. But there's also the Arizona Complex League, which is something that has always existed. And now that's almost replaced the short season ball. Now, instead of sending Division I college players to Boise and the high school and mid to lower round draft picks to Grand Junction, now they're just going to the Arizona Complex League. And Amador did really well against competition that was roughly two years older than him. He batted 299 with a 394 on base percentage, was not afraid to take a walk, really like the eye so far statistically from what he showed. 445 slugging percentage. So again, shortstop, 18 years old, is probably going to add another 20, 25 pounds of muscle before we even see him at Coors Field. So a lot of the doubles that he hit this past season, they were 10 that he hit in 164 at-bats. They'll eventually turn into power. He did hit four home runs, and he did have one triple with that complex league team that went 41-15. and 15. It was the best record, 732 winning percentage for the ACL Rockies. So they went to the postseason along with Spokane, along with Fresno, Dominican Summer League. One of those two clubs were tops in their league. So in the lower levels of the Rockies system, there is a lot to be excited about. Not all of them will become superstars, but several of them will become really important contributing members of the team going forward. I also want to highlight the seventh overall prospect, Brenton Doyle. This is a kid who in 2019, after he was drafted, there was a group of players who ended up coming to Coors Field. It was Jacob Wallace, who was later traded in the Kevin Pillar deal in 2020, as well as Aaron Schunk, a third baseman who's been more of a second baseman now at this point. And Brenton Doyle was selected after both those two players and had immense confidence in himself. I don't want to say it was complete braggadocio, but it was pretty close to it. And we all kind of got a chuckle out of, again, how confident he was. And look, he's been backing it up. What, what I think also made it so interesting the confidence level that he had is he, he almost had no reason to be that confident. And I'll explain again, anytime you're, you're drafted in the major leagues, you should have confidence to know I am, I am one of the best baseball players in the world, hands down, hands down. And yet Doyle was a player who was hardly scouted in high school and ultimately had to play at a division two college shepherd university in West Virginia. He was the first Division II player taken in the 2019 draft. He was selected in the fourth round. But he's a guy who the facilities there at Shepherd University were not good. He mentioned that, and hey, look look how good I was able to do with 
with what I had. And so again, it, it was funny, but it was a welcome sight and a, and a welcome sound to hear coming out of this kid. And he has backed it up so far at every level. He started out in 2019 in Grand Junction. Again, was a college kid, but at D2, they didn't want to start him out too high at the more advanced Boise. He mashed, was ungodly in Grand Junction in 2019. This past season, he was still very good. His numbers took a hit, but I think that's to be expected. Still was able to hit 16 homers, only 16 doubles. Batted 279 with 336 on base percentage, 454 slugging. But the dude is one of the top athletes in the entire Rockies organization. He's a player who is mostly compared to free safeties, like the, the best athletes on the field. I think he could have even been a linebacker. He's just so athletic in his defense has been exquisite. He won a minor league Golden Glove Award this past year. So that gives you an idea of his skill set. And that's something that we probably could see at the earliest in 2023, depending on how well everything goes this year at AA Hartford. Hartford will be the team to really keep your eye on. Fresno and Spokane will still be important clubs to watch, but all of those guys that went to the postseason with Spokane in high A this past year, they're all going to move up naturally to double A. And that's really when you can start licking your chops and get excited about the future of the Colorado Rockies because those guys are just a step away. Same can be true for El Harris Montero, who tore it up in Hartford at double A and played pretty well in Albuquerque in triple A. And even if he didn't get to triple A, you knew that. In 2022, he'd probably start the year with the isotopes, but you could see him at some point in 2022. Now I think it's a foregone conclusion that we will see the eighth overall prospect, according to Baseball America. We will see him at Coors Field. I probably would have slipped Doyle up to as high as fifth, slotting Ryan Vallade back a spot, as well as Benny Montgomery. Now he was the first pick for the Rockies this year in 2021. He was the eighth overall pick at a Redlands high school in Pennsylvania. He was playing in his age 18 season. So similar as Amador numbers, not quite as good. He, you know, he hit well in 14 games. I should, I shouldn't say that he just didn't play terribly much Batted 340, 404 on base percentage, but only slugged 383. Again, that's to be expected for some of these young guys. The power develops later on, but his swing does need some work as far as what I've heard. He's going to be another great defensive option in the outfield. So we'll have to give him some time figuring out as he was playing in the complex league. We'll see what happens when he's riding the buses in the California league in Fresno. But Zach Veen has been the guy, number one prospect, no matter where you look. Still so amazing and surprising to think that he was able to slip to the Rockies with the ninth overall pick for numerous reasons, especially when you consider that the Padres, with one pick ahead of the Rockies, also took a prep outfielder and Robert Hassel III. So they went for a high school outfielder, but they did not select Zach Veen. One of the other cool things Baseball America does is they come up with a list of best tools. Now, what this is essentially saying is sometimes players just, I don't want to say can be one-dimensional, but if you've got one dimension that plays and is fantastic, that can get you to the majors. 
you can develop that one skill into two, maybe three. And even if you only get the two skills, that's enough to have a, a solid career or at least be a contributing member. So these best tools lists by Baseball America can be important to keep an eye on going forward. The best hitter for average was catcher Drew Romo. Best power hitter, first baseman Michael Tolia. Best strike zone discipline, also Drew Romo. Fastest base runner, Eddie Diaz. He was a player that was not protected ahead of what will be, normally it's December's Rule 5 draft. Now, because of the lockout, we don't know when that will happen again. Or if it will happen, I think it most likely will still happen. I don't know if they can get around that because typically players that are selected in the Rule 5 draft have an opportunity to make the opening day roster and thus become part of the union. Not really sure how that wrinkle will work. Best overall athlete, as I said, Brenton Doyle is fantastic. He was also tops when he came to best defensive outfielder and best outfield arm. So he was on the list three times as is best defensive catcher in Drew Romo. Best fastball, Julian Fernandez, a player we got to see at Coors Field, lighting up the radar gun at over 100 miles an hour. It's interesting that he is on this list as a prospect because, well, it's not interesting because you say, well, yeah, he, he made his major league debut earlier this year. And while that's true, he is not a rookie because Julian Fernandez was on the 40-man roster of the Giants and Marlins in 2019 and 2020, he already has two years of service time, as crazy as that sounds. So although he made his major league debut, he's not actually a rookie. And no, I'm not 100% confident of that. I'm 99.9% confident. It's the same thing with Brendan Rodgers, where he didn't have the requisite at-bats to no longer be a rookie. So he was under that threshold, 150 at-bats. And so you say, well, he was a rookie, but he had more than a year's service time. So because of that, he was not considered to be a rookie. And, and, and for that reason, Julian Fernandez is not a rookie, even though he's got very minimal experience in the big leagues. Best curveball, Case Williams, guy who was the fourth round selection in the 2020 draft, went over to Cincinnati in the Robert Stevenson for Jeff Hoffman deal, then ended up coming back along with Noah Davis, who was added to the 40-man roster for Michael Givens this past summer. Best slider, Yohan Ibar, a player who is on the 40-man roster as well. He came over in a trade with the Boston Red Sox for Christian Koss last offseason. Best changeup, Ryan Rollison. We'll get a good look at that at 20th in Blake at some point in 2022. Best control, Mitchell Kilkenny, a player who's had his career Take a pause because of Tommy John's surgery. He's finally getting it back together. He will be an interesting guy to watch moving forward. He could be similar to that Ashton Godot mold where he's a little bit older than you would think, but could get protected ahead of the 2022 Rule 5 MLB draft. Keep your eye on him going forward. And then twice on the list, you have Ezekiel Tovar as best defensive infielder and best infield arm. Well, lastly, in the third segment, I do want to briefly discuss some more minor league signings that could possibly help Colorado going forward. On Tuesday's podcast, we talked with Noah Yingling a little bit about the importance of minor league signings and the depth. So far this year, the Rockies have signed seven minor league players, four of which I think we could see at the majors, infielder slash outfielder Tim Lopes 
would probably be fourth on my list. But J.D. Hammer, a right-handed reliever from Fort Collins. Ty Block, a left-handed starter. You could see him go to the bullpen, but we'll see what happens with his return and continued rehabilitation from Tommy John's surgery if he can work himself and lengthen himself out to get back to starting. Those guys are going to contribute in a major way. Ty Block, of course, is from Denver and did attend Regis Jesuit High School. And then finally, a guy who is a defensive shortstop. That's what you're getting. Defense out of Kyle Holder. I've said it a few times already. I need to put this one to bed, but we could see a platoon at shortstop between the left-handed hitting Kyle Holder and the right-handed hitting Alan Trejo. But who else could possibly contribute going forward for the 2022 Colorado Rockies? I wrote something up on the dnvr.com. If you are signed up, you've already read this and you know the value of these minor league guys, especially because this last year we saw Connor Joe, Joe Harvey, who was put on the 40-man but didn't play, Chichi Gonzalez, Zach Rosscup, Taylor Motter, Chris Owings, and yes, C.J. Crone were all minor league signings this last offseason. Keep in mind, minor leaguers can still sign as they are not a part of the Players Association, so they're not a part of the union. They are not on strike. Now, three starting pitchers, all right-handed, have run out of options. They're all on the wrong side of 30. They all could provide depth for the Rockies rotation right now. Ryan Rawlison is a guy we're going to see in this rotation. If, if, I was, if I was betting money on DraftKings Sportsbook on who would make the most starts for the Colorado Rockies at this point moving forward, my money would be on Ryan Rawlison then Peter Lambert, then Ryan Feltner. You might even throw Ashton Godot in the conversation. We'll talk about him briefly on Friday's podcast with Drew Goodman. But the real question is, will any of those guys be ready for opening day? Now, even if we had a normal six weeks of spring training, I think it's a lot to ask of those young guys to be ready in time. Lambert, of course, is the senior of those three, but he is also rehabilitating from Tommy John's surgery, much like Ty Block. So you don't want to push him. And if, depending on when this lockout ends, we could have an abbreviated spring training, which means it's going to be all hands on deck. We'll likely have expanded rosters, probably could be closer to 30-man rosters, similar to what they had back in 1995 when they had a very brief spring training before starting the season in late April. But Drew Hutchinson, Pitched well in two starts with the Tigers in 2021. Pitched really well in AAA as well last year with a 3.77 ERA. He and the other two players I'm going to mention here, they're almost like relievers where, hey, they're going to be up and down. You don't know what you're going to get. But if you sign enough of them, you might be able to cobble together one average type starter. Nick Trapiano. Bounced around in a few different spots, had a 3.69 ERA in AAA. Out of the bullpen, he was even better at 1.52 ERA in 23.2 innings. Spent some time with the Mets. Asher Wojcikowski, a player who had a really big pedigree, was a part of a, a couple really notable trades, particularly with the Houston Astros, was the 41st overall pick in 2010. He did start 16 games for the Orioles in 2019, but he bounced around a bit last season. And at 33 years old, I think actually next year, 
it'll be his age 34 season. Maybe a move to the bullpen would serve him better. But those are three names to keep your eyes out for. In the bullpen, I'll just run the list down. Chase Anderson, a guy from the Diamondbacks, you probably remember from a few years back. Joe Biagini, Chase and Bradford, Carl Edwards Jr. I remember him most with the Chicago Cubs. Buck Farmer, that's a great name. Justin Grimm, also former Chicago Cub reliever. Zach Godley of the D-backs, you may recall. Chris Mazza, Matt Shoemaker, Nick Vincent, all those guys, right-handers. Shoemaker, of course, still has some room to go as far as starting pitchers go. Nick Vincent, I think, would be a really good fit. A veteran guy has been in the majors for parts of 10 seasons. Has a career 3.30 ERA in over 400 innings pitched in the majors. Sure, he'll be 35 next season, but that's exactly what you had with Daniel Bard, who actually came out of nowhere and hadn't been doing anything on a big league field for the previous few seasons, which is something Nick Vincent has been doing. Buck Farmer, a guy who finally got an opportunity to save some games, had been a lifelong Detroit Tiger player, went over to Texas, they gave him an opportunity, and he did quite well. 3.60 ERA in the Pacific Coast League, a hitter's league, struck out 15 in 15 innings. From the left-hand side, You've got former Colorado Rockies reliever Joe Bimel. How about that from a blast from the past? Sean Gilmartin, Rob Zestrensky, and two former Rockies pitchers, James Pazos and Zach Roscup. Oh, yeah, Zach Roscup is a free agent again and could re-sign with the Rockies for what I believe would be his fourth time signing back with the Purple Pinstripes. Pazos was actually pretty good last year, 3.72 ERA with Oklahoma City, but I would not hold my breath for him to come back. Ross Cup, you know, I think he only pitched three innings with Colorado last year, but was really good in the Pacific Coast League, 2.48 ERA in 29 innings. I should mention that Ty Block was featured in this article back on December 8th on the DNVR.com. Now 50 cents for your first month. That doesn't count as an ad. But I did feature Ty Block as a guy that would be a great fit for the organization. So I feel good to have gotten that one right. Hit the nail on the head. We'll see what he does. He's got to back it up. You also have a couple career minor league guys in Juan Hillman and Danny Jimenez. Now, both of those players, while being minor league free agents and not having the stuff, quote unquote, to make it to the majors, I think teams are probably salivating over these two options, especially right now when there aren't any options, especially for a guy like Juan Hillman, who is a second-round pick out of high school. He's taken a while to develop, but again, was a young player when he got drafted. Had a 3.77 ERA in AA. Doesn't strike out a lot of batters, but he's certainly someone who deserves some more opportunities. Danny Jimenez, not old exactly. He's 27 years old. He was a Rule 5 draft pick in 2020 by the Giants, but he was returned to the Toronto Blue Jays. And last season in AAA, he had a 2.22 ERA, striking out 40% of hitters. Had a 14.7 strikeouts per nine. That is fantastic. Now, he didn't always have command, walk a lot of hitters at an unsettling rate, but he was able to keep base runners to a minimum because no one was hitting him, frankly. He's he's a player who, if the Rockies were to sign him to a minor league deal, you might even see him as the 
28th, 29th best prospect that the Rockies have. And last but not least, I don't think this will happen, but it would be cool. And unfortunately, the science tells us this would not be a good idea. But until we see it, we can't really be sure, right? It is crazy to think that in 2021 right now in the world that we live in, I'm fighting against science in this capacity. But it's it's for fun. It's for fun. It's knuckleballer Mickey Janis. Yes, he was the only knuckleballer to pitch in the majors this year. Barely got in a game with the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, come on. If anyone is going to throw a knuckleball out there and say, hey, let's see what happens, it should be the Baltimore Orioles. One game, three and a third innings pitched. He did give up three home runs and seven earned runs. But other than that, Mickey Janis, give him a shot. Give him a shot. In 2018 and 2019, he did have an ERA just north of four. And in 2017 at AA, he had a 3.60 with that knuckleball. So that would certainly be a fun one to say the least. I'm sure he would look great down in Scottsdale in the almost sea level like atmosphere. I say almost because compared to 5280, even 3000 feet above sea level seems like nothing. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this little freebie for the holidays. There'll be another one coming next week. Friday's show, you'll we'll have a fun conversation with Drew Goodman, where we look at the 2022 schedule for the Colorado Rockies and figure out what the best road trips are. Not the best cities. No, because I think we know the best stadiums, the coolest towns, things of that nature, but the best overall road trips. Like, for example, in the early part of the season in late April, Colorado plays the Tigers in Detroit and then has four games in a row with the Phillies before coming back home. So they've They've got seven games in seven days, no off days to explore Detroit or Philadelphia. So you're working. It's more of a grind. Again, late April in Detroit still could be pretty cold. So that would be a road trip that's on the bottom of my list. But there are some other really interesting ones, and we'll kind of get into that, break it down. We also sat down with Andrew Mason. He talks all about winning the World Series. Yes, he won the World Series. He says we. So I. I think he'll be getting a ring. You can actually listen to that episode now on the DNVR Sports channel on YouTube. We sat down to record that one this week at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax and York. And so you can hear all of his thoughts about Atlanta winning the World Series, Freddie Freeman, what happens if Freddie Freeman goes elsewhere, what happens if this lockout lingers, That was a fun conversation. And I also have an author in studio that will drop on Monday at 2 p.m. on our YouTube channel. You can go in, ask your questions. We'll get to them. But his name is Matthew Replinger. You can look him up if you want ahead of time. It was a really fun conversation. I'm looking forward to having with him. He wrote the definitive book on baseball in Denver. I think there's a gentleman named Jay Sanford that wrote a book about baseball in Denver that can be incredibly hard to find. I've never read it. I can't find it in a library anywhere. But if you go to just about any library branch, you can search baseball in Denver. It's images of baseball series by Arcadia. It's similar to the images of America. You go into a Walgreens or CVS 
and they got all the little neighboring towns in and around the city or town that you're located in. And you can see pictures dating back to a hundred years ago. Well, they decided, Hey, let's do one for baseball. And Matthew Replinger wrote that book about the history of baseball in Denver and the state of Colorado. You are going to be floored when you hear the amazing history that our state has, because it really, really does. He's done so many cool and interesting things in his life, in and around the game of baseball, that I think that's going to be a fun conversation again, that you can watch at 2 p.m. on our YouTube channel. It's DNVR Sports. Make sure you look that up. Make sure you're subscribing, leaving comments, leaving reviews. I would love to start reading some reviews wherever you listen to your podcast. Could use some five-star reviews. Hey, if you only feel we're a four-star show, that's fine. But we'd love to give you a shout-out, especially if you're not a member. We know that times are a little bit harder financially for everyone. And so an annual membership to the DNVR, you might not be able to swing it to read all of our exclusive content on the Rockies or Nuggets, Avs, Broncos, whatever it may be. But you listen to the podcast, you enjoy it, you can still give back in a real major way by leaving some feedback wherever you happen to be downloading and listening to this podcast. So once again, I thank you all for tuning in and listening to me and hope you enjoyed this free one. You didn't have to have any ads. I try to pack it full with as much content as possible. I hope I've done you proud out there. That's my goal each and every day, each and every week here at DNVR Rockies. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter. And hey, I'm also on Instagram. I've been trying to do that a little bit more, posting some personal pictures of nature. If I happen to see something when I'm out and about, some of my baseball photos, things of that nature. I'm trying to do that thing, trying to do the IG thing. Keep your eye out for me there. I'm Patrick D. Lyons 42 on Instagram. So for DNVR Sports, I'm Patrick Lyons. You are you. And thank you for listening to the DNVR Rockies podcast.